You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Folks, with all of the turmoil in the Montreal Canadiens organization right now, I feel that it is only appropriate to take a moment for our Canadians fans. Celine <laughs> 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 uh, so Dion and the right Spotify off. wrapped this weekend. Yeah, yeah. They, they can <laughs> right off. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. And this week, we are very excited to welcome a very special guest, and that is Hurricanes reporter, or official team reporter, I guess is the, what, what you would say now. Um, and that's Walt Ruff. So, Walt, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and uh, talk a little shop with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh... I love the work you guys do, and it uh, means a lot to, to have the official invite to come on finally. Oh, we are very excited to have you. Um, so normally we we kind of start with just like your journey. When we have guests on, we talk about, you know, their background and how they got to where they are. Um, so let's start there. Uh, you're, well, why don't you just explain it in your words? I know uh, you jumped around from the WHL, the AHL. You've been in a couple of different places. So why don't you just talk about your journey to uh, get where you are now? Yeah, as long as you guys have the time. Um, no, and all there, so I'll try and make it short. But um, yeah, it took uh, took six years in juniors and the minors to get here, and uh, I'm incredibly grateful to have this opportunity now. Um, it was something that I knew I wanted from about the time I got to high school. It was your stereotypical situation where I played hockey, but I knew I would never be doing anything remotely close to playing professionally. So. Um, it was time to find another avenue, and I took a real interest in broadcasting and the media side. Grew up watching Flyers hockey um, just about every night, so I was a big fan of that organization. And then went to college, Temple University in Philadelphia, and that's where things really started getting rolling in terms of, okay, I think I can do this. Um, and then after college, I needed what was called like a exit internship. And so I was really looking anywhere in hockey that I could fit in to fulfill my final credits and um, it turns out I took a little bit of a leap of faith and went to Texas for a year. Uh, the North American Hockey League, for those who aren't familiar, it's Tier 2 Junior. Um, team right in between Dallas and Fort Worth called the Lone Star Brahmas. And uh, I got so fortunate that those people took a chance on me because, you know, when you get a blind email from somebody who you don't know and they're like, hey, let me come intern for you, please. Um, I can tell you that that summer I sent 96 emails out, uh, but hey, all it takes is one good response, right? So right. Um, I got the good response that I wanted and 
was able to go down to Texas and took it from an internship to a part-time job and then from part-time to full-time. And uh, again, the ball just kept the snowball effect, if you will. And uh, one year in Texas, then went to our now current ECHL affiliate, the Norfolk Admirals. Back then they were affiliated with the Oilers. Learned a lot there for sure. It was a very interesting time in that organization's history. It was their second season and going from being AHL to ECHL. So as you can imagine, there were some some struggles and some hard times in terms of connecting with the fan base, in terms of going down a league, if you will, but all very good learning experiences. Um, then from there, three years in the American Hockey League with the Tucson Roadrunners, the affiliate of the Arizona Coyotes. Loved my time there, grew as you know a person and a professional there. So very grateful for that. And then um, COVID brought my time to a close there as a lot of businesses operated, unfortunately. Uh, there were budget cuts, staff cuts, and I was among them. And um, it was hard to deal with for a while, honestly. I really struggled with that. And um, I moved back to Pennsylvania to be a little bit closer to family and friends for a little while. And I wasn't sure if I was really going to pick up the journey again because you know, five years, it's like that situation where it's a long time, but it's not a long time. Right. And, um, when I was back there in Pennsylvania, I really wasn't sure what the future held for me. And it turns out that my boss who I worked for in Texas is now in Portland of the Western league and similar situation. They had budget cuts. They had to let people go. They found out within about a month's period of time that they were going to be playing a very shortened season. And they had basically no staff. And so one day I just get a phone call and he's like, Hey, are you interested in getting back into this and, you know, doing what you were doing? And I was like, sure. Why not? I didn't really have anything to lose. Um, and so I went up there, we played 24 games in six weeks and it was nice to get back in the swing of things. And I kind of thought realistically, my next step was going to be back either in the ECHL or the AHL. And, um, Turns out that uh, I got very fortunate in the summer. I, I don't know what good karma I, or what I did to deserve the opportunity, honestly, but um, opportunity knocked and here we are. And I don't know, I'm probably going to probably going to and already have overused the words grateful and thankful, but it definitely does mean a lot as, you know, I know that there's a lot of people who work really hard and a lot of people who, you know, never get this fortunate. So um, I try not to take it for granted. You definitely earned your opportunity, and it's really always cool to hear a story where someone starts from the bottom um, and works their way all the way up to the top, really living the dream. Uh, so congrats to you. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, like you were saying, it's you've, you've really been around a lot. You've gone, you know, you've had a lot of stops on your journey to get to Raleigh. Um, and I, I'm not really sure why I'm the one asking this question because I'm the only one who doesn't <laughs> Don't actually live in, live in the NC. But, yeah, how, how, have you, how have you enjoyed your time in NC, in, uh, NC so far? It's cool. It's really cool. Obviously, I'm still learning a lot. Um, it was you didn't have a, to get the full experience yet, right? Probably. Exactly. No, it was a very expedited process. Um, when I had been offered the job, it was just like a week or two before the team's first preseason game. And so I rushed to get across the country as fast as I could. And I got here. And so I showed up literally one day before the team's first preseason game. And I got here with nothing. Like no furniture, no place to live. So I've been trying to get all that in order. Um, so yeah, you're right. I definitely have been lacking in terms of getting the full experience, but hopefully in the coming months, I can do that. I want to see all of what the city and the area has to offer. Um, I'm sure I'll talk more about the people around here, but the, the people are fantastic, which is um, near and dear to my heart, because you know how sometimes when you enter a situation, you don't really know what you're getting into um, you need good people around you. And I'm thankful that both North Carolina and the Canes organization have that. 
So they've given me the responsibility with probably the hardest question on this list here. All right. You wrote these. Well, yeah, you the I one did, but you rearranged them. So, Walt, because we know you have so much of an effect on this on the ice, where have <laughs> the goals gone? And do the Canes need to change anything to make it or to put the puck in the net? Interesting times right now, right? Um, from the time we're recording it, dating back to probably the San Jose game, right? Um, things have taken a little bit of an interesting turn. But then, of course, you had the Philadelphia game where they put up six. Um, as you've seen Rod talk about the past couple of days, the power play is something that when you get that fixed as he wants to, and as I'm sure everybody wants to, um, when you get that fixed, you have to think that that's going to factor in hopefully some, I'm not saying you're going to score on the power play every single night, but you probably don't want to go two weeks without scoring on the power play either. Um, what I'll say in terms of what, you know, of course, that's what needs to change, right? And that's not going to fix all the problems. But I think also as guys start to settle into some more of their roles, I mean, we're 21 games in now and how many different forward combinations have we seen? And that's a luxury within itself to even have that option. But at the same time, there is the aspect of comfortability that when that starts to happen for some of the guys, look at the past three games for Kakaniemi. I think he's starting to get settled in a little bit more and that's why he's got goals in three games. Um, so... I think over the next, you know, if you had asked me what could we see over the next 21 games, maybe some more consistency in terms of who's playing with who. I think we've had our time now to to dip our toes in the water. And I've been a big defendant of, of Rod because, A, he's incredibly smarter than me in terms of hockey. But also, he knows what to do, what buttons to push when. He's the reigning coach of the year for a reason. Um, but I think over the next 21 games, put it this way, I would be surprised if we saw the same amount of revolving doors up front in terms of who playing with who. So mix the power play success with the comfortability and should be on a little bit of a better path here. So one of the biggest storylines of the team right now is obviously the COVID outbreak, if you, I guess you can call it that, uh, with half of their defense, their entire right side of their defense. Yeah. Um, what's your take on kind of the initial response, I guess, with Chatfield and LeJoie and even Brendan Smith. And what do you think they need to do moving forward? Do you think they need to change anything? Do you think they maybe could look at the outside? What's your take there? Well, first and foremost, the COVID situation as a whole is incredibly unfortunate. Um, I was with the team in San Jose a little over a week ago when Ethan tested positive. And from that moment on, it it wasn't quite a hold everybody hold your breath type situation, but we're all cognizant of the fact that when somebody tests positive, there's likely more to come. Very rare is it just one, right? Right. Um, what I don't know that anybody could have predicted is that it would be a whole week later when more tested positive. So that's unfortunate. I, I don't know how to word it appropriately because who knows, Ethan could be back in the lineup as soon as tomorrow, maybe Saturday. So if you had to go one game without three defensemen, it is what it is, right? I think coaches would tell you that they're probably preparing for worse this season. Um, in terms of Lajoie and Chatfield last night, I don't think they looked out of place at all. To be frank, I think we saw a little bit more of Chatfield than I might have expected. Um, like yeah. I tweeted last night, I wasn't sure what he was going to play. I didn't know if he was going to be in a sheltered role, but he was really out there. And I know he played the whole season last year with Vancouver, Um but on a quick turnaround like that, and I know training camp wasn't that long ago, preseason wasn't that long ago, but it's somewhat of a lot to ask for those guys to come up and step right in right away. So 
I think they did just fine last night. If the team, you know, knock on wood, wherever you got it, the, if they can get healthy without any more positive tests, that would be beneficial. Um, you know, but again, there's, there's more capable options in Chicago. I think a lot of people were surprised when Joey Keene wasn't one of the initial ones called up in that first batch. Um, but should another one go down, there's, there's more options coming in Chicago for sure of guys who are chomping at the bit to play. So again, hopefully the team can get all healthy soon. If we can keep the total positive cases to three, that's a great thing. And, um, if not, there's guys who are willing, able and ready. I was yeah. kind of surprised on Keen too. Now that you mentioned that, actually, I, I kind of, especially with yeah, all so right defensemen, I kind of expected him to be the guy. But huh? Can't there's positives with- to it, though, right? You know, at the same time, it's not a knock on him by any means, right? He, you know, with Chicago, Chicago's got a couple big games coming up. It's essentially a battle for first place with them in Iowa this weekend, um, and that young man's going to be playing all situations, right? Yeah, I, I don't even. <laughs> I don't know if they they've made public AHL ice time yet, but Joey Keane's got to be playing close to 30 minutes this weekend in Chicago. You'd have to think, right? I don't yeah, know. Probably. Top unit five on five. So um, if he's good to go, he's going to be playing a lot. I assume. Obviously Ethan Berry just came to the team this summer and, you know, he's fit in on, you know, quite a pretty good role on the first pair. And he's had a lot of good moments beside Jacob Slavin. He's been, you know, really impressive for, you know, what the caliber of player you'd kind of expect to get back for from uh, for Warren Fogle, no disrespect. But, um, you know, with him out of the lineup now, I think you've seen the Hurricanes have had, you know, some problems with their defensive groupings in general, their in-zone coverage, and especially their puck movement in transition. Um, and I think that speaks to how important Ethan Bear is to this group. So what I'm asking you here is how how important do you think he's been to the group and how how uh, impactful will he be going forward? I think it's the age old adage, right? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. And thankfully yeah. he's not gone. He's just out of the lineup for a couple of games, but wow, he's been really good. Um, what I've been perhaps most impressed with, with Ethan thus far this year, and it's twofold. Um, some of his breakout passes, his, amb- his ability to move the puck in transition and get it up ice, his vision from, like that area right around his own goal line, his own red line to spring guys up in a neutral zone. I feel like that's where you've seen guys. There've been a number of times a situation where he hits Marty and he just flies in the zone with speed or somebody else cutting through Aho zone entry, boom, he's in. Um, and then the other thing I think that Ethan's done really well that I know I wasn't expecting, but maybe it's just because of my lack of knowledge of the way he had played prior coming in. But um, there was a stat that came out a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure I've hammered it into the ground by this point, but his D zone starts on faceoffs versus offensive zone. He's been a monster in the D zone. And what does that say about his early relationship with Tim Gleason running the D? I mean, those are two guys getting to know each other really quickly, right? And again, maybe I've misconstrued it. Maybe I had it wrong, but I feel like we all kind of have looked at Ethan's tenure in Edmonton as like, you know, the guy who might be a little bit more on the offensive side of things, but he's really shored up the D zone here. Now, of course, some of that might be the product of the surroundings. Look at the other right-handed guys. I mean, Brett does a nice job two-way. We know Tony plays a little bit more of the offensive skewed game. So, um, but maybe it was also just something that Ethan worked on, Um, but he's done a fantastic job so far. I think especially, in transition and then ensuring that he's got the trust of his coaches in his own zone. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree with you in transition because, you know, I didn't know a ton about him in Edmonton. I knew he was a good puck mover. I knew he was a good 
a good skater. Like I knew he, he really moved around well, but I wasn't really sure about his strengths. And there's been like multiple times this year where I was like, man, was that Ethan Bear who just made that, that zone exit pass? Or was that Jake Gardner? You know what right. I mean? Like <laughs> there's just been a few times where like I was blown away by his puck movement and that kind of, it kind of makes you think, do you think the Hurricane should maybe with, especially how much the power play has been struggling recently, is he a guy that they should maybe try on that unit when he comes back? It's an interesting point for sure. Um, We've been uh, hopping on that for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point with, you know, where the power play is right now, if, if he were, you could make the argument that if he were healthy and able to play last night, would we have seen that? Maybe. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the question for sure. And I wouldn't have any opposition to it. What's, what's the worst that happens, right? Why not? Um, you know, it, it, they clearly are in need of something to, you know, go their way on the man advantage unit. And if he's healthy and able to go tomorrow or Saturday, maybe. I, I certainly have no opposition to it. Maybe they'll at least stop uh, allowing shorthanded goals at that point. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> when we talked to Aaron Schwartz over the summer, he, he mentioned that when the Canes acquired Bear, you know, they viewed him as one of the guys that they felt had the highest upside out of their acquisitions this summer. And, um, you know, he's been eating up a ton of minutes. He's been playing, you know, I, I believe he's been getting penalty kill minutes, not quite power play minutes yet, but I mean, you know, getting that sort of an impact from a player that you traded somebody that clearly didn't really have a future here. I mean, that's, that's some good work by the Canes. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you said it right. And you know, it's a little biased coming from me, but I would have to agree. Right. Like trying to think of the right way to put it, but you know, all the best to, to Warren and Edmonton. And, um, but I think so far Ethan's made a lot of people happy here. Yeah. The, the trade was one for one. Getting a first pairing defenseman. There you go. <laughs> Getting a first pairing defenseman from a bottom six forward. Like that's what it comes down to. I mean, one of these yeah. is not like the other to me. Yeah, but. it's like the reverse of the uh, hall for uh, Larson. <laughs> <laughs> for it's a good point, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> um. So I mean, we've talked about Ethan Bear, but are there any other players that you feel have had the biggest impact on the season so far, whether it's on the ice or off the ice? You know, thus far this season, anytime anybody's asked me, you know, who surprised you or who's had the biggest impact. And I know this is going to sound weird because I'm new, but it's it's the way Rod carries the locker room. That's what does it for me. I don't know if it's any one player in particular. Um, Of course, there's a number of great personalities in the room and great people all around. Um, But. I just don't think, you know, and again, I've never worked for a different national hockey league team, so I can't say with certainty, but there's a reason why that guy won coach of the year last year, right? He's a really special individual. And um, I know that sometimes the passion evidently now costs him some money, but um, he's, he's a special man. Uh, True. And that's, you know, away from the cameras too. There's of course, I've, been fortunate to have some interactions with him too that you know things you don't see or things I can't write about but he's a good man um and that's special and that means a lot to say because I think we all know and especially in today's climate and hockey that's not always the case so um sorry I'm, I'm not giving you a specific player here I think there's plenty of plenty of guys who I could and I had a couple written down here but um in terms of what surprised or impressed me the most this season it's, it's the way that Rod carries the culture for certain Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to inform you that Walt Ruff has been fined $25,000 for defending Rod Brindamore. 
somebody, somebody <laughs> tweeted at me last night when uh when I tweeted about some of the embellishment calls that I was going to get fined twenty five thousand dollars. And I said, <laughs> you, I hope not. That's, that's not you're affiliated my with league. the team. Yeah, you can yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the worst league. I got I got fined by uh Sterlo for uh, whining too much on Twitter. So you know <laughs> what are we all gonna do around here. <laughs> that was funny. Oh man, oh, I man. forgot that he I forgot that he changed his account that night. That was the funniest thing. Oh, it was so good. Before we wrap up our interview with Walt, we're gonna take a second and get a quick word from DraftKings. Hey, football fans, if you're like me, I'm sure you love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just one dollar on any team to score can win one hundred dollars in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, all, all right. right, only a few more for you here. Back to a serious all, note. All good, all good. <laughs> yeah. So you've gotten about 21 games with the team now. You've more or less familiarized yourself. From your perspective, play GM for a minute here. And, and this can be just an internal thing, a growth from internal and uh, the team getting better as a whole moving forward, or it can be an external addition. But what's one area you think the Hurricanes have to get better? And, and don't say the power play because I think that's the most obvious answer. Right. But give me one area that you think the Hurricanes need to take another step in. You're wearing the turtleneck in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun fact, I've been looking at buying one, but I don't know if I can pull it off. But <laughs> Not like Donnie, um, but that's, that's, a, that's too high a bar to clear. You shouldn't be I going. That's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't dip my toes in that water anyway. Um, something... <laughs> It's not going to directly answer the question, but something I'm curious to see how the team handles, which may answer your question in that way. Um, I'm curious to see how they handle playing against some of the more physical teams. We saw how it went Sunday against Washington. Um, we know that in the playoffs last year, some teams tried to, you know, rough and tough play that style of game. I'm curious to see how that goes this year. Um, Ian Cole's been fantastic on the blue line, but of course there's always that hesitancy of, you know, if he's got to sit for a couple minutes who, you know, then your D pairings get all jumbled up and you only have six to begin with. So what I'm curious to see is how the team handles the physicality over the next little bit, because again, we haven't seen too many crazy physical games this season, but Washington, that was kind of Washington's MO Sunday, right? And they won the game. I don't know if you could say it was because of the physicality, um, but I, I will be curious to see how the team handles that moving forward because it's going to come right. You know, it came last year, um, not too, too much of the start of this year. So you almost feel like it's coming. Um, so we'll see. That's something I'm curious to see how the team handles. And if they don't handle it, how it's planned, do they then 
look at options. Maybe, I don't know, but um, that's how I would answer that one. Yeah. I think that's a totally viable answer because I mean, that was kind of the book on the Canes, right? Like in the last couple of years in playoff series is where I'm getting at, you know, with Boston Mm -hmm. really for two years in a row, they just, they were the heaviest team on the ice and that's why they pretty much dominated the series, at least in my eyes. So I I think that's a totally fair, valid point. And it's a trade-off too, right? It's, you know, why are teams trying to play that way? Well, you look at the amount of skill that Carolina has. So there's going to, it's, you know, it's all about balance, right? If you've got that much skill, do you have the grit? Do you have the toughness and vice versa? If teams have that grit, if they have that toughness and they think you can, they can grind and wear you down, then that's what they're going to try and do. And it's, that's their game plan. It is what it is, but um, hey, if the Canes have that much skill, if that's what they're forcing other teams to try and do, then that's so be it. Yeah, and the biggest thing is trying to find players who both have skill and physicality. I mean, yes, it's so hard to find guys like not mm-hmm. not only find guys like that, but then when teams find players like that, they don't want to give them up, you know, and they exactly. don't want to give them up for cheap. So you bring in a guy like Ian Cole, and you know he's fit the bill fine, but you don't really want him playing more than third pair of minutes and. That's what makes a player like Nino Niederreiter so important to the group up front. And you really saw how they, how much they missed his heaviness when he was out earlier in the season. So uh, I definitely agree with you. I do think that the physicality is going to be a big question moving forward, especially as we get closer to playoff time and see if they've really done enough in that regard to kind of get over the hump that they couldn't the past three years. But you've also got to factor in Brendan Smith who brings, uh, who brings, you know, we, we know he's, he's got a little jam to his game. Um, and if he's in the lineup, he's another guy who can really help in that regard. Yeah, definitely. The, the only unfortunate side, of course, and I know you guys know this is if Cole and Smith are both in the lineup, somebody else is hurt. Somebody else is injured. Yep. Like we thought the start of the season when you have an entirely healthy roster, unfortunately, someone needs to be the odd man out. Um, and if Smith's in and Cole's not, then, you know, there's, there's your one option and that's it and that's all. Um, or the other way around, of course. So, yeah, be curious to see how it goes. That's for sure. It's a good point. So this week we found out that both Scott Morrow and Ronan Seely have been invited to the World Juniors preliminary rosters for the U.S. and Canada, respectively. We've also got guys like Zion Nivek, Vasily Ponomaryov, and Nikita Guslistov. It's the first time I've had to say that out loud. Uh, on rosters for their countries as well. So. This could be a very Canes heavy world juniors. How how does it feel knowing that, you know, we actually have some stuff to talk about at the world juniors and I don't know, what does it say about the future of the team? Exactly that. Right. Um, it's exciting to, of course, I've been an outsider to this team for a long time. Right. But it was in the years where it was, you know, Oh, the, the future's bright. And I feel like this can be applicable to a lot of organizations you don't find a lot of scenarios where the future's bright and you also have a present here and now. And right now it feels like the Canes have a little bit of best of both worlds, which is super cool and very exciting. Um, I love the world juniors. I can't wait to watch. So the fact that they're probably going to have about half a dozen kids in it is awesome. Um, I'm a little heartbroken for Jarvis because being in Portland last year, I know he was just outside the cusp and, you know, think about what he could have done there this year. That would have been incredibly oh. special for Hockey Canada. But I think I he's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, He'll there's dry one. his tears with dollar bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, he's got a good reason for the opt-out. But at the same time, um, you know, yeah, it, it'll be very exciting to 
get to see these kids on the national stage. It's one of the best times of the year. And sometimes it's really, you know, you're excited about a kid and then you see what they can do against the world's best and you get even more excited about them. So I'm really excited about that. Um, kudos to you guys for also, and I want to give you guys some praise eventually we'll probably do it at the end of the show, but you guys always have the beat on, um, who's coming up through the system. And I, I'm a big fan of the work you guys do, but you know, I'm just trying to pry through it, For me, it's a mix, right? I'm looking at Scott Wheeler stuff and then I'm relying on you guys. So, um, great job for all that Appreciate you do it. as well. And, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see. And then of course we'll see, I know it's not related to the question, but in terms of international play, we'll see what comes to the Olympics in a couple of months. I think a lot of people are getting myself and included are getting nervous about what's going to happen there. So let's really try and enjoy the world juniors when that happens. Right. Yeah. yeah um, I was maybe it's just me, it. but I think the world juniors are better anyway. That's just me. Yeah. World juniors, the Depends. most fun tournament that ever, that hockey can ever produce. I think it's, that I think it might be the best tournament in hockey. I love the world juniors so much. It's fun. It's fast, right? You know, after I got home from working the Canes game last night, I turned on the ducks and Kings game and in their overtime, I saw a lot of people, talking about how three-on-three isn't as fun as how it used to be because coaches turn to strategy now. I think World Junior is almost kind of the opposite because, you know, you bring all these kids together in such a short amount of time, they don't have that many hours in a day to learn the system and to learn the structure. Sometimes the flat-out speed and skill just takes over exactly, and that's what makes that so fun. So I'm with you. I love it every single year, and um, I'm very excited to see it go down. Yeah, I was going to mention, too, that, you know, it's crazy when you consider all the talent that the Hurricanes are already going to have involved at the World Juniors. And then you still got to consider the fact that Seth Jarvis is eligible and he would be there if he wasn't good enough to already be playing in the NHL. Um, you know, that's pretty crazy. And it's it's a testament to just how deep the Hurricanes' prospect system is. And, you know, this question's more for Matt than anybody. But uh, are you surprised that uh, Igor Naumov wasn't invited for Russia? <laughs> Honestly... <laughs> Yeah, I am. The dude's been killing it this year. Oh, yeah. He's got a has zero goals goal. against average. So he, he has a shutout average and has not, uh, he hasn't allowed a single goal this year. I mean, yeah, crazy. Just <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. Um, I actually didn't know that. He yeah, hasn't played a game. I'm not going to pretend I didn't oh, know that. Play? Give me some more. I was going to say, there's got to be something going on here. Where's he playing? Like tier three? <laughs> only, only God in knows. the Russian junior leave league for uh well playing is a strong word um <laughs> he, is he has yet to start in a game for loco yaroslavl in the russian u20 league and they've played what 35 he's games hurt, right he's got to be hurt I, it's, according it's to elite prospects he isn't but it's a more severe situation of uh jake kacharski and i didn't think we were gonna <laughs> see that we drafted him 200th overall this past summer yeah. and nobody knew who he was like, not even people who follow russian hockey because he played in nine games <laughs> somebody in somebody yeah <laughs> i i have no idea um who this kid is so interesting i think i think uh now mob is going to be the modern day uh billy ross and then i think it's gonna i think that's <laughs> really i think that's gonna have to played work. yeah <laughs> that's gonna be the no that's gonna be the new bit here though i, I think it's i think all it's right. gonna have to happen all right walt uh we got one more for you man um so um based on the first 21 games that you've watched the team 
are you ready to sit there and say that you believe this team is the legitimate cup contender? Or if you aren't ready to say that, what do you think they have to do to take that next step this year? They're definitely a contender. That's for sure. Um, the skill is there. Now I can't sit here and say that today's roster could win a Stanley cup. I, they could, they very well could, but I think a lot's going to be revealed over the next, you know, two ish months, three ish to get us to the trade deadline. And we'll see, right. Um, a lot of teams that when they're in position to be buyers are there because they've put themselves in a position to legitimately compete. And that's where the Canes are right now. Um, and again, I don't know anything. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say, I know for a fact that the team is going to buy at the deadline or things of that nature. Um, guys have gone on the record. I think it was Ian Cole a couple of weeks ago. Somebody asked him, do you believe that this team can legitimately compete in the playoffs? And he said, yeah. Um, and that's coming from a guy who's won it. Now, of course I know he's part of the locker room and, um, sometimes those questions are hard to answer, but when you're sitting at 15, five and one, I think there's a lot of reason to believe that they could be, um, I'll be curious to see what does transpire over the next little bit. Again, I think how they handle a really physical grinded out game. Um, I know they've taken care of Boston already this year, but that wasn't, you know, the entire real playoffs, Boston club, if you will. Um, Washington was missing a lot of pieces when they came to PNC just a couple days ago. And so we'll see how they can, because, and Rod's talked about it too. Playoffs always wind up being those physical grindy, wear you down type of games. Very rarely do we see, you know, eight, four games in the playoffs. It's always a lot closer to two, one, right? Because everybody's playing so tight. Nobody wants to make a mistake. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens over the next little bit. I know I'm certainly excited. I'm excited about this team. And I think there's a lot of reason for people to be, which is again, I don't want to shine this in a negative light, but given where the organization was a couple of years ago, it's a really darn cool thing for the organization to have everybody engaged the way they do through the first quarter of the season. There you have it. Year one of hurricanes hockey with Walt Ruff, Stanley cup. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I, I, would I have to retire then? What I, one, one done? No, you're not staying forever. Not. We, we want more Stanley Cups. Yeah, That's yeah. True. You have That's to stay. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be greedy. I, I, I think that also means if they don't win the cup, you're going to have to shoulder the blame. Think, is that how it works? <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. People finally started to pick up when the team's eight, no, nine, no, always, you know oh, we got Walton, they don't want to lose. And now, of course, <laughs> we, we all know how on the online world works. Like, you know, it's your fault now, here. right? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Every single game. And why don't you fix the power play, Walton? <laughs> yeah, know, seriously. Good question. I'm, as soon as I get done with Lace this, right back to the tape, right back to the right. film. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you call Jameson Reese up? No. <laughs> no. Bring Hayden Fleury uh, back. Oh, God. Uh, also, no. He's got a bright future, real bright future. And and again, that Chicago. I know there are pieces on the blue line, but these are a couple important games for Chicago the next couple of days, and we'll see what uh what he does. I definitely want to watch one of the games against Iowa because that's a team that, as they get later down the road, they're going to see. So, a couple of big games for Chicago here with uh with a couple of big pieces out. And I, Daniel Brickley is pretty capable, right? You know, him yeah. being the call up from Norfolk to Chicago. I remember when he was playing games in, in the big leagues for LA. So it's not like it's, you know, somebody random who you're hoping on getting called up to the American league lineup. So um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Chicago's going to put together a nice year for themselves too. 
Yep. Yeah, Brickley was one of the top college free agents a couple of years ago, I think. Maybe not a couple. It might be longer than that now. Just because, uh, yeah. you know, COVID makes time stop. Right. Right. It makes it drag. I don't know what you're talking about. Really? I feel like Actually, it's no, gone it does by seem so... like it's gone by pretty fast. Like my like yeah. my mid-20s years are just wasting away. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is gonna be interesting to see how both the Canes and Chicago cope with having players out of their lineup. Should be some fun times ahead. I know tomorrow we have a big game, or I guess, you know, I don't know, it might be t- might be today when people are hearing this, but uh <laughs> but we appreciate you for coming on. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Obviously, we know where to follow you on Twitter, but if you want to share that, anything coming up, the floor is yours. Sure. Well, again, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, you know, when I was talking about the people of the organization, and I know not all of you guys are here in Raleigh, but, you know, you're all very good people, very kind, very welcoming, and that means a lot. Um, and I just want to say I'm thankful and grateful for you guys and the work that you do. I know that not every National Hockey League team has, um, you know, a source to keep up with everybody's prospects as streamlined as you guys have it. So um, give yourselves a pat on the back when you can and know that I'm very grateful for the work that you do. Um, makes my life a lot easier in a lot of aspects. And it's cool to communicate with you guys and, and show some love there. Um, but yeah. Twitter, Walt Ruff, first name, last name, and um, very grateful to be able to write for hurricanes.com. And my door is always open, um, you know, as hopefully you all know by this point, if the listeners are tuning in. Um, if you have a story idea or if you just want to chat about Hurricanes hockey, Twitter, email, anything works for me. Um, I'm very happy to be here and uh, I want to make myself a part of this Canes community as much as possible. So thanks to you guys again. I appreciate it. And uh, let's go Canes. Good guy. That's a really good interview. Uh, yeah, good really actually, good, really nice guy. That a lot. He's a really good guy. Um, uh, he and I have oh, been he's talking. A great on guy, t- damn it! Nobody watches Letterkenny. You guys gotta watch Letterkenny. No, I've seen Letterkenny. Anyway, all right. Well, we well really don't have too much more for you. I don't think we really want to talk that much about the last few games because the Hurricanes are just in it right now. It's just one of these stretches where things they are going down well. Um, if you want to hear about what they need to do. My latest piece on the hockey writers was really the recap of the Dallas game, but I go in depth and it's uh, spot on. So <laughs> real nice. <laughs> but one thing we did want to do at the end is we today was actually the day that the Spotify racked playlist came out, which is always a oh, fun cool. time for everybody to tell on themselves for how terrible their music taste is. It's great. So we are going to do just that. Now, Alex, unfortunately. Is this doesn't use Spotify. <laughs> you can just log off. I mean, if you yeah, I mean, you can, yeah. it's this necessary. Like, I, I don't like it's it's bad enough that you guys are selling yourselves out for being Spotify users, but we're gonna go on record with this now. Like, I I I don't know what's happening here. Okay, well, I'm not Spotify sure if I would get more ice time than Hayden Flurry. Oh, you know what? You know what? Hayden Flurry's Spotify playlist you know is full of Justin Bieber. <laughs> okay, listen. No, it's I, just I was... Marvin's room. <laughs> Yo, okay, I was gonna sign out. I was I was about to dip this call, but I'm I'm gonna have to stay now just so I can clown Matt. All right. That it's I'm sorry. In the name of Hayden Flurry, I'm gonna stay just to punk you off. So Matt, how about you get us started here? Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. So yes, we are going to go through our top songs. Yeah, Matt, the floor is yours, man. The floor is yours. The floor is mine. All right, what do we want to hear first? Are we actually gonna, we can't play it. No, I can't play it. I'm just saying, like, what do we want to hear about first? Like, oh, uh, well, just I mean, we're not gonna 
is sit here and do the whole hundred songs. I mean, God, no, fuck that. So, well, yeah, okay. So, we'll just do, um, why don't we just do the top five songs and the top five artists? Um, nobody's gonna know. Well, they'll know a couple of my artists, but that's my cool. top five Go songs ahead. are all by the same artist. God, you really are boring. Well, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'll do my top five songs by different artists. How about that? There you go. All right. Um, so hi, I'm Matt. No, I'm kidding. Uh, my top five Spotify artists were number one was Abby the Nomad, who is they classify him as pop rap, I guess, but whatever. Um, my second favorite artist is of Montreal. Real quick, or, I actually did listen to one of his songs earlier and I was kind of like, this kind of slaps. Yeah, it's he's good, like he's sex, good as fuck. It's called Sex and Drugs. And yeah, like, Sex and Drugs is, was my top song. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, his new album is just like wall to wall bangers. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but yeah, so top top artist of the year was Avi the Nomad. I was in his top 0.005% of listeners. <laughs> Um, all five of my top songs were his songs. So I'm going to kind of mix it up with songs by different artists because, you know, I, I want to be original. <laughs> my second top artist was of Montreal because I was depressed in high school and still like them. Uh, <laughs> and then three was the shins. And then four was another of James Mercer's great projects, broken bells. And then five was Cato on the track because he features on a bunch of Abby the Nomad songs. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't listened to a single other song by this guy just the collab he did with avi the nomad so kato <laughs> i'm sorry but that number five is is a little uh asterisk next to it a little bit <laughs> yeah there's there's a bit of an asterisk next to it <laughs> so my top five uh sex and drugs by avi the nomad uh was my top song so that's the one by him that i'll put um, number six was the sound of settling by death cab for cutie <laughs> because again i was depressed in high school and just like this music still oh this is a good idea i'm gonna yeah. this forever <laughs> number three dare by gorillas that's a good song yeah it is uh number 11 was after the disco by broken bells and then 12 was nicotine and gravy by beck <laughs> nice alex do you uh do you who are your top five artists you can just give us your five favorite no, no, i'm not getting i'm not getting involved see that that's the nice thing about apple music is that i don't have to expose myself all right everybody on twitter needs wade to did it today on, on twitter he hates but... fun he's like the yeah. what do you mean what not, everybody you know. cyberbully alex <laughs> i don't know my favorite artist is like i don't know probably somebody i'd get hate for saying that's my favorite artist you know what i mean like i might have to say like tory lanes and we know we we know what happened there you know so i i, I don't I, I don't know i don't know if i want to put myself in that position it's fine nobody likes you, that but it's okay you like shoot somebody <laughs> yeah he shot um megan the stallion in the foot supposedly what oh yeah that's supposedly right. <laughs> but I, I don't make the rules his music goes <laughs> stupid you know yeah, I, I, mean... I don't make the rules all right well, at least Alex participated a little bit, but you can still clown him on Twitter. All right, yeah. so we can go Fair. through mine. You guys aren't going to know. You'll know one of the artists, probably. Well, yeah, you'll know one of the artists. <laughs> Hope y'all like metal. If you do, you should definitely check these guys out. 
all five of my top five artists were I, I was kind of surprised about this but they're literally all metal bands except one which is a grunge band you can probably guess that if you follow me on twitter because i talk about them all the time <laughs> number one is era anyways <laughs> era e-r-r-a they are very very good uh metalcore band from right here in the u.s i've never gotten to see them live for some reason and it makes me really upset number two is polaris they're an australian metal band super good uh, and their new album actually isn't like as heavy. So if you just like like all rock kind of stuff, you, you might like that. Um, their older stuff is what I prefer. It's a lot heavier. But anyway, number three, Alice in Chains, Wayne Staley Forever. Um, probably my favorite band of all time. Uh, just, I don't know. Everybody talks about grunge music and Alice in Chains always seems to be like everybody's least favorite of the big four or big five. If you count Stone Temple Pilots, I'm laying all the way. Mad season two, both of them. Absolutely love Alice in Chains. Um, number four is a band called I the Breather, another metal band. Uh, broke up for a long time. Now they're back together, making banging ass music again. And number five is a deathcore band, very, very heavy, called Die Artist Murder. Absolutely love them. Um, also Australian. So, yeah. Uh, top songs, if you guys even care, probably not because you don't know any of them. <laughs> oh, number four actually was uh, Chris Cornell, Soundgarden, Like a Stone. Great song, classic. Oh, fantastic know. song. Yeah, great song. I, I don't know. Everything you're speaking is gibberish to me right now. <laughs> I don't That's know. Fine. That's fine. Get cultured, bro. Um, okay. <laughs> number one's XP8 by Era. That's my favorite song of theirs. E-X-P-I-A-T-E-X-P-8. I guess I'm saying that right. Uh, number two, Reign of Darkness by The Artist Murder. Absolute banger. Like their sound design in that song is like ridiculous. If you can get past the very, very heavy vocals. Um Three, also Era, Our Translucent Forever, very good song, a little bit more feelsy. And number five is Hell, Last Slaughter to Prevail, which is very, very heavy. Um, yeah. I'm surprised there's no dubstep on there. I listen to a lot of dubstep too, but that's cool. I have very weird taste in music, I guess. I don't know. I really like most everything. I don't really like rap, but other than that, I pretty much like anything. How do you not like rap? I don't know. If, like, it, if I listen, to be honest. Me, as far as music, like I, I, I do listen to old rap. Like, okay. <laughs> I, this is probably pretty cliche, but like, Eminem, like early Eminem. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah. You, you are a white male. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you've liked Eminem but at one point. I love Bone Thugs and, uh, and, and or Tupac because I'm a big Tupac guy. Um, I, I have to be honest. I think if I actually had like a top five list that would expose, you know, who I listen to daily, my list would probably be something like Juice World would probably be first. Um, then it'll be like, Tory Lanez, Playboy Cardi, Lil Durk, Bulgy, like so I don't know, something of that nature, but you're talking about Iris probably number one. Gibberish. Who the hell is he in any of those? Anyway. Who the hell you is he? You definitely even? live under a rock. Who the hell is he in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely live under a rock. I speak English good. Damn. Well, folks, I think we've argued enough about music. You guys yeah, probably definitely. tuned out like yeah. half an hour ago. It's yeah, probably, nobody nobody's made it this far point. in the pod. Everybody's nobody's, already gone. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's, nobody's, if you've made it to this point, you're officially an OG. Let's just yeah, put that If on you've there. made it to this point, the key word is why. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm actually going to think of like a random word. The keyword is flatjacks, and if you tweet that at us, we will understand that you you're like a real person. And <laughs> real no, no, bad. make it like Fuck. make it like racinin. You know what I mean? Just something <laughs> no. to fit the culture. It has to be something anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so the word, the secret word is flatjacks. And yeah, if you've made whatever. it, you win a crisp thumbs up from all of us. 
if we don't get to merch, see it, but we're we're giving thumbs up right now. Maybe we should design merch someday. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, we could like give but away folks, t-shirts. Yeah, right. But folks, we want to thank you all for spending the time to listen to us. If this is your first time, if this is your millionth time, we want to thank you. It was really cool getting to see you all like tweet us with your Spotify rap that we were one of your top shows. That's really cool. Kind of humbling. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, we appreciate each and every one of you. Stream Abby versus the Universe. It's a great album. And you what? know no what? Free, no free ads. What is this? <laughs> and folks, and folks, Walt said something. I can't remember. Brandon, you might have to play it back. Uh, I can't find it. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>